Hi, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of The Light Leaders. Today, we have another gentle debate with Lauren Lockman and Josh X. Thank you so much to both of you for joining today. I'm uh, really excited. The two of you have been huge influences on my raw vegan slash fruitarian slash living foodist path. So thank you so much. For the listener, I've had both Lauren and Josh X individually on podcasts. You can check in the notes at the bottom of the description. And I want to give like just a little one or two minute introduction to this episode. It's going to be, let's say, a little bit advanced in the living foodist movement in the way that we've already had podcasts and um, like all of us are mainly vegan, avoid processed food, mostly raw. Uh, lots of fruits into water fasting so for example it won't be so much about why processed food is bad for you that's something we'll all agree on and um, i will put chapters in the youtube um, description and you can navigate because we aim to have an hour and a half of conversation so you can go straight to the parts that interest you the most i'll obviously put the links also to lauren and josh um, and then for the light leaders, we have a Telegram group. There's a link in the description and you can join the conversation there. And of course, if you want to encourage us, you can like this video, subscribe and share. Now as a little intro, what we'll cover are, well, first an, an intro to the guests, like a short one, um, and what you guys agree on mainly. And then we'll go into things that might have some differences, things I'm interested in, for example, I'm, I'm not always sure, should we take um, more whole food fruits or is it nice and fine to have juices? Is it um, fine to have some cooked food like steamed vegetables? So we'll see into the ideal diet. We look into supplements. Should we take B12? We look into natural hygiene. You're both into it, but in slightly different ways. And then we'll also look into water fasting and the best ways to do that. I know Lorraine's your specialty and Josh X, you're really into it too. So that's for the discussion today. But just before we get started in one sentence, what are you guys grateful for? Like Josh, what are you grateful for today? This moment. Life itself. And having the ability to be aware of that which is real and that which is not. Thank you. How about you, Lorraine? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always grateful when I wake up. That's a good start to the day. I'm, I'm grateful to be in paradise and um, grateful for all the amazing uh, natural beauty around me. Oh, thank you. So to get started, without going too much into details, because again, I have a, a podcast with you, Josh X already. I have a, a few with you already, Lauren. So people can go into it, the other links. But just to give context, can you do a two to three minutes interview of uh, like about you, especially in the context of the discussion of today? Who wants to start? Well, Lorraine, you okay? Sure. So, yeah, um, I think it's a fairly common story that I got. You know, with people that that wind up going this path, I got very sick 
right out of college at 23. Took me a while to get out of college. And uh, I got worse with three years of medicine. And it finally, I finally woke up and realized at 26 that medicine was making me worse, that it wasn't about health, it was about suppressing symptoms. Um, I've since come to realize that much of what happens in the name of alternative health is also about suppressing symptoms. But in looking for a way to heal myself, I finally realized that I was going to have to figure it out for myself. I wound up realizing every species has a natural diet. It occurred to me, uh, it took me several years to realize that cooked food couldn't be part of that. And I went raw vegan. And that was 31 and a half years ago. I've been raw since. Um, around the same time, I came across a book called Rational Fasting by Professor Arnold Arendt. Um, it had a significant impact on me. I began fasting. It made sense to me. And it was had such a profound impact that um, I began fasting somewhat regularly, initially. You know, completely changed my life. And I decided after a few years that when I looked around, I, I didn't even realize at first that there were places one could go and fast. But when I realized there were, I realized that most of them were way too clinical for my taste, not, a, not the kind of places I'd want to spend any time. And I decided I was going to do my best to create the best fasting center in the world that where you were always connected to nature, where the environment was actually clean of electromagnetic radiation as much as possible, et cetera. And so Tanglewood was born 27 years ago this month. And since then, we have fasted more than 10,000 people for an average of 26 days. Uh, seeing amazing things happen with virtually every condition and working with people from over 125 countries. Thank you, Lauren. Welcome to the show. <laughs> and for me, the, the journey started just very young, becoming aware of what I was eating, maybe six or seven years old. I can remember you know, finding out that the food I was consuming was of animals and it really didn't sit well with me, you know, and one of the most profound memories I have is, is around the ages of six. And for Christmas, it was tradition to have prawns in a cocktail sauce over a salad. And I remember feeling that I didn't want to consume all of these animals just to fuel my body. Um, so this kind of led me on a food journey. Obviously, being so young, I didn't have access to the information, so it was kind of experimental. So I began to uh, eat what I believed was right. So it was no animals, plants. And, and one of the things that I did consume early was bread still. Um, but as I progressed in my age, I got into uh, fitness because I, I needed to focus my attention on something which I knew was going to benefit me before the spiritual journey took place. So I went through this process of eliminating things out of my diet to a space of purity and then reintroducing things individually so I could feel what it was like on my own individual system. So it wasn't a belief, it was more of a, a, a deep knowing and wisdom from this, which led me to help my family. You know, I had uh, a father who was diabetic for 37 years. A mother had cancer, my brother had cancer, my sister was... Uh, 14 years chronic fatigue in bed in a wheelchair and together they decided um, one time that they were going to listen to the ideas that I had and apply them so I spent the next eight to ten weeks 
bringing them foods, juices, and uh, basically providing the food for them. And each one of them healed uh, an incredible, uh, incredible journey. Uh, my sister, from the debilitation that she was in, she needed to go a bit further into the diet. So she had to go into a fruit-based diet with fasting. And this took around about eight months to a year for her to fully recover. And then from that moment, we decided to just offer our services in helping people. So initially, we bought a camper van and we were traveling around, staying outside people's houses, helping them on an individual basis. And... Uh, I had this conversation on a YouTube channel through a guy I was uh, I was just visiting, and kind of everything came from there. So it blessed me with the ability to to see over the masses how things truly work, which gives you the eyes to see. And uh, obviously, you see the different types of food groups, the different types of healing, and how deep it cleanses. So some people may heal on a whole food plant-based diet with cooked food. Some people need to progress to what I would say is the, the diet of least resistance, the diet of simplicity, which gives the body everything that it needs to be able to repair itself. And uh, I'm here today on an incredible journey for myself. Just, you know, I took apart the universe and uh, I found my space. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Josh, and welcome to this space <laughs> on the podcast, for sure. Um, uh, how old are you, each of you, Michelle? I'll be uh, 62, uh, about a month. I'm 37. And I'd be curious uh, to finish that little introduction, if you could share um, what, what did you eat yesterday? I juiced yesterday because we have okay. our community challenge, which is uh, going on for 10 days through the Equinox, so it should be juiced. What did you juice? Oranges. We enjoyed some grape juice. And then I made uh, cucumber and apple. And I had coconuts twice during the day as well. Nice. And if you weren't juicing and you were a little bit moister in a maintenance or, or building phase and cleansing, yeah, what, what would you have? I mean, at the moment I'm going through phases. I don't keep myself rigid to an ideology. I allow flexibility and fluidity. So I'm eating and consuming a lot to have a physical experiment to help others recognize that you can still build mass on a fruit-based diet. So I'm just eating regular, probably every hour and a half, I'm consuming a, a large amount of fruits. Um, and I would typically wake up on a day like uh, to improve and, and, and build more muscle tissue. I would rise straight away, have a juice to allow the body just to get fueled, keeping the digestion still. And then I would have a smoothie of around about five to six bananas grape juice, maybe some strawberries in it. And then I would continue to keep feeding myself through the day. So I'd have a, a meal after this. That meal would probably consist of two avocados, maybe two whole cucumbers, some tomatoes, um, and then chop maybe three apples inside of that. 
Um, and then the next meal would probably be an hour and a half later, maybe two hours maximum. This would be another smoothie. And then we continue to have a raw food smoothie. And then possibly, possibly depending on the season, like the winter here, it's really hard to get access to grapefruits, really hard. And sometimes you buy fruits to ripen, they don't, they just mold or, you know, they go off. So I will engage in steaming uh, some vegetables, possibly some broccoli, maybe some sprouts, some sweet potato, but that's about it. And I know what is best for me. I would prefer to be in a space where I could have durian, the jackfruits, mangoes, papaya, sour sap off the tree. But um, currently we're not. So it doesn't cause me any effect, you know, mentally or spiritually, mm. but I do my best. Mm. Thank you so much, Josh. Mm. And before we go to Lorraine, yeah, there's also so much more we can cover that I wrote down. Part of it is the quantities we eat. And part of it is also uh, the goal of like how much muscle mass who may want to have and optimize for that. And the other thing is going beyond, of course, the food I know uh, uh, Lorraine, you're also a Reiki healer, and Josh, I know you're you're very. Uh, I love to listen to you also more on the metaphysical side and very spiritually connected people. So, um, obviously, looking at the body mind connections also, and 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 looking at how we bless and enjoy our food, is is going to be part of the the best nutrition, I guess, beyond just the the what we eat. <laughs> so we can also expand to that more towards. Uh, the continuation of the episode how about you lauren what did you have yesterday um i had breakfast yesterday at three o'clock in the afternoon as is usual it was a watermelon and then i had a salad um uh, at around six o'clock okay how did the salad look like uh simple lettuce tomato cucumber avocado basically nice yeah Thank you. Okay, well, thanks. That's like to give a to give context to uh, everyone and the listener. And now the the first part I was um, mainly like we we can start with is going into like do so. There's a lot we agree on, right? Um, so both of you are, as I said, mainly vegan, like uh, plant based. Um, also, lots of raw you're uh, into water fasting into avoiding processed food uh josh x for example you mentioned some steamed vegetables but you mentioned like is this more because of the environment you're in do you usually like like to adapt or uh, yeah a trial? do you think ideally you'd be mainly on fruit i know lauren is, is very yeah much. i mean i've done periods three three years completely on fruit but as you progress spiritually, you realize if you hold yourself to them, those concepts when you're eating the food, there's a negative impact within inside the environment, which actually causes some issues within yourself. So when you have, when you let go of the concepts of it, in this moment, I have a choice, and that choice is to do this because it's the best thing that I have, and it, it causes no resistance mentally, it causes no identification. So yeah, I know within my being that fruit is for you. Anything that bears the seed, bar a few, is absolutely our food. It's the least resistance in the body. It's the most healing. It's the most balance we can have. So ideally, of course, I would love to be surrounded by fruit trees in a natural environment where nature did what it does perfectly. 
and be aligned with that. But, you know, in the UK, right now, the, the only things that grow are probably stinging nettles. And, you know, we don't have access to anything other than imported food. Mm. So it's just about making the best choices. And I have a, a huge ripening process, you know. I have a cupboard which contains the boiler, which is warm, and I put all my tropical fruit in there to ripen. But like I said, sometimes they just go bad anyway. So just doing the best we can do and and over time you learn you go to your local stores you find a, a food wholesaler where you can get things abundant and cheaper sometimes it's just not worth even buying the food because you end up wasting your money you know mm. so like if we were to try to find a nice watermelon it would be near impossible even though the shops do have them they would be very soft to touch mm. so yeah we just make our choices in the moment to the best we can. Yeah, Lorraine, feel free to, to, to react on, on that. Um, I, I understand uh, the dilemma. And this is why I, I made a decision. Uh, well, I made a decision probably 25 years ago to move to the tropics. It took me a while. I've been here now for 18, coming up on 19 years. But I realized that if my health was the most important thing to me, and it is, I needed to live in a climate where I could have fresh food all the time. And so um, oh, even though it was difficult to do, I decided that I needed to, to live here. And it's, of course, it's not just about the food. It's also about being able to get ample sunshine throughout the year and being able to allow my, my skin to breathe because I don't have to be wearing layers of clothing throughout the year. I'm in shorts and flip-flops every day, as I imagine you are there, Alex. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, you know, and, I, and I, I get it. I mean, people say to me all the time, well, not everyone can live in the tropics. And my response is, well, that may be true, but not everyone's going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to get on a plane tomorrow. So it's, you know, it's a personal choice each of us can make. Um, I, I personally, I mean, I, I understand completely if you're going to eat cooked food, it would be better to not hold a bunch of negative energy around it. Having said that, there are physical effects of cooking food. And I'm completely clear, as are uh, most of my clients you know, who fasted with me, that if we ever eat cooked food, anything, even steamed vegetables, we don't feel as well. And for me, it's not, it's not because I hold any, any beliefs around that. It's simply because my experience is what it is. So, uh, I, you know, I, I don't, I mean, if you're going to live in a place like the UK, where admittedly it's difficult much of the year to get high quality food, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, when I've been there and I've been there in the wintertime, I've always done my best to get the highest quality fruit I could find. And sometimes it was disappointing. For me, that's still a better choice than, than cooked food. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Certain, certain aspects and dynamics of life, if, you know, if, if we weren't uh, on, on a journey beyond physicality, I think I'd be more focused on on food, which I was, you know, and in an art of letting go of all the ideas that I held and concepts, I had a base level 
their base level is never go anywhere beyond whole food, plant-based, predominantly living foods. Um, of course, when I was 50 pounds, 60 pounds lighter, I was probably going through periods of just having one meal every three days, juicing, just experienced such so much heightened, heightened levels of body, mind connections. And as soon as you introduce cooked food, you feel an absolute shift in that lightness. Mm -hmm. But again, I know that I'm not physical. I know that the physicality aspect of me arises in me, and I am aware of that. But my journey is very different than just food. I would, I would more say that I'm a pointer, and anyone looking to heal their self, I would never recommend them to be eating cooked food. But everybody has to eat to the level of consciousness that they are. And walking through experiences should lead them to these heightened levels within their self, just as it did for you, Brother Lauren. You know, you were ready to receive these gifts. You had an incredible journey that led you to a path of peace and nature. And then a space that opened up for you to be able to help thousands of people. I am in no doubt that, like I said, fruit is the absolute best. Luckily, we don't stay in the UK all year round. You know, we spend most of our time in the warm weather. We're and still we waiting for buy... you in, uh, in Bali, Josh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> We we uh, we had we bought a, a place in Spain about six seven years ago with a with a couple, and we planted 125 fruit trees, and we had a wonderful garden. But the couple actually split up while they were there, so we sold it, and this is what began us on our journey of helping people. So, you know, we are looking and just aligning because of COVID. It kind of put a few uh, you know, realignments in our step which is perfectly fine. But we are currently looking to create a wonderful fruit garden slash fruit forest to be able to raise awareness and obviously a community, hopefully, over the coming years to be able to exist around this wonderful space. But it's wonderful to hear what you've done, brother. It really is. Thank you. And I, I had... Um... Yeah, and thank you so much, Josh. We're looking forward to seeing you in Bali. I had actually a visit of Lauren in Bali uh, about two months ago, which was really nice. I was uh, back in, uh, what was that? January. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Two months ago. And yeah, regarding the, the cooked food, I had a thought and tell me what, what do you think about it? Uh, if, if fruit is almost like kind of the, the perfect food for us, Someone told me, well, in a way, fruit is kind of slow cooked by the sun. So would it make sense to think like if you take a carrot, for example, which is in the ground, probably not as ideal, would it be better raw or would it be better like somehow gently slow cooked? Because it could also in a way mimic more the effect of what a fruit has become through being slow cooked by the sun. I don't know exactly because even steaming would be like way higher temperature than what the sun would do. But it's, it's just something like I had, like someone told me and I, I was like, that kind of makes sense that the fruit, and that's why it's easier to digest it's a little bit cooked in that way. Like Lorraine, I, I see you not really aligned with that. Yeah, well, I, I, the, the sun's not cooking the food. Um, 
it's uh, it's allowing the fruit to ripen. And fruit is easily digestible, not because it's cooked by the sun, but because as it ripens, the enzymes in the fruit break the macronutrients down into their constituent parts so that fats become fatty acids and proteins become amino acids and uh, starches break down carbohydrates. A green banana is very hard to digest. Um, it's not because the sun cooks it. It's because, I mean, we, we actually harvest bananas here. And I think you're, you're getting close to the point where you'll be harvesting bananas if you're not yet. Um, yeah. we're, we're now harvesting so many, we can't eat them all, um, you know, 10 years on this site. And what happens is we, we pick them before they ripen. Once they're mature, you can pick them because they're climacteric and continue ripening. They don't have to ripen on the plant. If we let them ripen on the plant, the birds, bats, and animals eat them. So we, we, we harvest them when they're still hard and they ripen inside, not because the sun's cooking them, but because the enzymes are actually ripening them, allowing them to, to become fully edible. And so a hard, starchy banana becomes soft and sweet. That's the ripening process. Unfortunately, you know, the simple fact is that when we cook food, we're destroying nutrients and we're creating toxic compounds. And it's true that temperature plays a significant factor in the creation of toxins. Uh, nutrients are, are destroyed even at boiling point. So when you pasteurize orange juice, there is no vitamin C from the orange left in the orange juice, zero. Um, Store-bought orange juice contains vitamin C made in the laboratory and added back in. You're not getting it from the orange. Um, toxins, the creation of toxins is more temperature dependent. And so the higher the temperature, the more of these toxins you'll create. Um, although it depends on the, on the type of toxin, it depends on the type of cooking process and, and the macronutrient, which toxins are created. But all cooked food creates some toxins. And so the body responds to the consumption of all cooked food as if you've consumed something toxic because in fact you have. And so, you know, I think, I mean, honestly, you know, I, I think it's one thing to say, uh, as Josh has said, I live in a place where I can't get high quality food. And so I'm, I'm choosing to eat steamed vegetables, whether I agree with that or not, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a valid viewpoint. But I think to say, uh, eating a, a cooked vegetable is just as good as eating fruit because the sun's cooking the fruit. I don't. I don't think that's valid. They feel that vegetables are the secondary source of fuel which is available to us. And in my own internal uh, assessment, I would say some vegetables are fine raw; they feel great, and some don't. And those that don't feel better steamed or slightly cooked and treated, in a sense, um, you know, like raw cruciferous vegetables, they don't sit very well, but they're likely steamed and they sit very well. But, you know, like a carrot, I find carrots not to be very heavy at all and they go well, they're fine. But some studies, some hearsay, because I haven't actually done these studies myself, that there's more available nutrients in steamed vegetables than it is in unprocessed, uncooked vegetables. But, you know, for us all, I'm sure we're aware that fruit, fruit is essentially our food. It, it yeah. is our food. Yeah. And yeah. From, um, I don't know if you know Dr. Greger from Nutrition Fact. Sure. Ryan, but did, did he I, do, I do know. I've known Michael Greger for 30 years. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no question that, that um, cooking vegetables makes nutrients more available. It also destroys some nutrients, but it yeah. makes it easier for us to absorb nutrients because we can't digest most raw vegetables because of high levels of cellulose and other resistant starches. But for me, you know, again, if we come back to the very simple uh, point that every one of, of nature's roughly 25 million animal species has a natural diet, no other species needs to cook or process food in order to eat their food. We don't need to do it either. We're, we're meant to be eating fruits and soft tender leaves. Here, we don't keep any other vegetables on hand. Every once in a while, if I'm doing like a, a special gourmet type meal for people, which I probably don't do you know, five or six times a year here um, for special events. But if we're doing that, I might use carrots, for instance, You know, and I'll... I'll uh, peel them so we have thin strips, which makes them very soft. And they're sweet because they have high, high sugar content. And you know we use them for the color and the texture, et cetera. But normally the only things we need here, we have no stove, we have no way to cook anything. That's been true at Tanglewood in its 27 year history. I mean, we've been, we've, lo we've been located in some facilities where there was a stove, which was disconnected. Uh, we disconnected it. Um, so there's, there's no way to cook here. And we have only fruits and lettuce available to us. That's that's what we live. I think as 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 a whole, you see the whole picture. You see that there's staples to keep societies alive through business. And essentially, cooking has been introduced for this purpose. If everyone was in their own uh, original habitat, naturally, fruit fruit has its seed. It drops. It reciprocates, and will flourish itself. Then we go and enjoy this wonderful, perfect creation for sure. Also, another thing to look at is in commercial growing, we're having uh, soils very depleted, one of them being cobalt. This is a necessary nutrient for the bacteria to feed on to create this B12. So we're looking at <clears throat> a, a space where most food commercially, when people are in a Western diet, has been synthesized with uh, additional nutrients so breakfast cereals are having full of iron vitamin b calcium all these things added to it when you start to you know look and find out the truth about food and essentially everything that's grown from the ground is is our food or a better version of food because we all agree on fruit sometimes we don't look at this aspect that our soil's depleted we're missing some minerals the matrix is actually perfectly created food that makes you sick, but it also stops you from dying and being deficient in any type of nutrient or vitamin. So this is something we have to look at and just be careful as we're transitioning. If we don't have the gift of a garden where everything is working in harmony, there can be something lacking. So then I would say vegetables can offer something that you might not be getting from the growers of your fruits because soil's very different. And this could be something that just aids in keeping you full and not being deficient. But then we also have um, you know, certain supplements, which I would recommend to people depending on which area of the plane they live at. So it's, all, it's a very compartmentalized system. You know, Everyone's perception is very different. You have to be careful when listeners are listening because it's not gonna be the same for every single being here. But ideally, you know, I, I, I believe England is a commercial space. It wasn't a natural space for living. People were introduced here. Staples came, lentils, legumes, nuts, seeds, 
And this is this is why it's called a stay pull, because it keeps you here, not looking for anything greater. And this food denses you down enough to be able to go and do the work, to be able to get this commercial system going without dying too early. And uh, actually, uh, before you, you answer to that, Lauren, it's, it's something actually, I think that ties to, that could be also the discussion on the supplement. And um, I know, you know, when I listen to you, Lauren, or same when I listen to Doug Graham or even Dr. Morse, um, we're meant to synthesize our own B12. There's not necessarily the, um, we don't necessarily need to take it. And it's true, like for me, that resonates. And for example, today I just did an analysis and I see, okay, some of my um, red cells are a bit inactive, like not as active. And according to what they tell me there, the, the, there's like a great clinic there is that it's probably a B12 something. Okay, maybe I'll take uh, a bit of supplement for that. Um, maybe not forever, but at least to stabilize that. So I feel um, for me, it's been alive. And I think for many people in this community to like, where do we put the spectrum between pure I ideal, like, okay, natural hygiene, we don't need it. And well, soils are the same, pollution, EMF, many things make that we probably maybe need to take some. Right, well, I mean, it, there there are people, for instance, in, in the UK, where it's uh, probably impossible to get enough vitamin D throughout the year. I mean, there are times where you can, but um, I used to speak there every year, 20, 25 years ago. And I was usually there around the beginning of May and we had a beautiful sunshine every time I was there, without exception, uh, you know, for various years in a row. They used to tell me I brought the sun with me, um, maybe. But, um, you know, if you're living in a place like the UK or Seattle, Washington, you know, Portland, Oregon, or probably many other places uh, where there isn't enough sunlight year round to get vitamin D, which is not a vitamin, it's a hormone produced by your body. And that, that's a pretty powerful clue. Your body produces its own hormones. We're not meant to be consuming this. And we're definitely not meant to be consuming an artificial source of it. But the fact is, is that we need it. And so if you're going to live in a place like the UK and you can't, I mean, fortunately you've got Ryanair and you can jump on a plane to Southern Spain or the Canary Islands or someplace. Um, if, you know, if I were gonna live in the UK, I would plan to get away every four to six weeks over the, over the winter. And I, that, I mean, I realize that might be difficult for people to do, but I would set my life up that way or I would move somewhere because getting enough vitamin D is absolutely critical for your health. And I would much rather find a way to get it naturally if possible. Now, if not, maybe people need the supplement. In Scandinavia, virtually everybody supplements with vitamin D and is tested regularly. Almost everyone there is deficient because again, you can't get enough sunlight probably eight months, nine months of the year if you're living in Sweden or Norway or, or Finland. And the result of that is very high levels of depression and, and alcoholism and drug abuse and suicide. And so, you know, the fact is we need sunlight. We are tropical animals. We can only exist in our, in our birthday costumes in a tropical environment, 365 days a year. And so, I mean, it, it may be true that many people living in what is an unnatural climate for our bodies 
is going to require something unnatural. I decided that if I, you know, if my health was the most important thing to me, that just wasn't going to work. I didn't want to be in a place where I needed to take something artificial to get my needs met. But uh, with vitamin D, there's an example. With B12, I mean, vitamin D isn't something, you know, if you don't have sunlight, you're not going to synthesize it, right? B12, which probably, I mean, everything is interrelated and, and nothing's going to work as well without enough vitamin D. But B12 is, is made by the gut biome with all the other B vitamins every single day. And when our gut is working properly, it, there should be no problem getting what we need. So 35 years vegan, I've never supplemented with B12. Um, I haven't had any supplements whatsoever now in 30, about 31 years. And what I'm clear about is, you know, again, having taken so many people down the, this, this path of, of water only fasting for roughly four weeks or more is that when we get the body clean enough, we can get everything we need from our food, assuming we're eating the foods that our bodies were intended to eat. And again, that shouldn't be a surprise. It's surprising to many people. I mean, many people you know, have been led to believe we have to eat supplements, but no other species on the planet needs them. And it's true that commercially grown food is, is going to be, uh, in many cases, low in natural nutrients. And therefore we need to eat organic and, and beyond organic. Organic, unfortunately, has become commercialized. I can remember when organic foods were you know, when the, when the movement really began and began growing in my lifetime, I mean, of course, before the 1950s, everything was organic because there was no commercial uh, pesticide business that really came about after World War II um, and didn't become large, you know, it didn't really become significant until the mid 1950s. So, you know, your, your grandparents or great grandparents who grew up before then grew up on organic foods, that's all there was. But um, when, you know, when people started moving back towards organic, originally it was, you know, you'd have a group of hippies that would move to Ecuador and grow bananas. And that's what I used to buy at uh, my local co-op. Um, when I think it was Dole uh, or, yeah, I think it was Dole began offering organic bananas. You know, I looked at that dubiously and thought, really? Is this really organic or is this just what they, they want you to think it is? Because I don't trust gold. I, you know, I, I don't think they care about quality. I think they care about their bottom line. And sure enough, they didn't taste the same. So it, you know, it's true that organic's not necessarily going to be the same anymore. You have to perhaps be a little bit more careful. It become a little bit more difficult. Uh, fortunately, it's it's relatively easy here. And you know, I think uh, Alex and I came to the same conclusion. I mean, as a surfer, it's also nice to be in a place where you can surf all year long. Um, I'm, I'm mostly a body surfer myself. I was at the beach yesterday. And so yeah, I love the fact that every single day of the year I can get in the ocean here and don't need a wetsuit. Um, but, you know, for, for you, Josh, uh, you know, eventually I think you're going to find that life is going to be much nicer if you're in a place where you can eat fresh foods off of the trees all year long. And obviously it's a choice you can make. There's nothing like the experience of being with the tree, collecting the fruit yourself, yeah. You know, you find yourself being so disconnected from thought, just experiencing fruit picking. You watch people, they get lost in it. It's a natural thing. 
Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, the, the plan was three, four years ago to be somewhere. Um, it's yeah. just not aligned. And I don't force alignment. I allow it to happen. Um, and I truly watch synchronicity. So, you know, I just remain unaffected. I know ideally where I need to be. But because I'm here, I don't have a desire to be there because that desire would cause me suffering. So I make sure that I take my approach to life very holistically because people suffer in their thinking. They suffer in their thoughts. And if I did have a desire to be somewhere I'm not, I would be suffering for sure. So I take my life in a holistic approach. Um, and, you know, as you were talking about supplementation, you know, if you look at it holistically, you see the animal products that have been you know, handed to men and women as a, as a food source. Now, those are all supplemented because they're also in industrial practices as well. You know, you have cows that are supplemented with cobalt because they synthesize B12 their self in their rumen. So they're not synthesized. They're not given B12 as a supplement, but they're given the byproduct which creates it within them. So there's this huge mass deficiency. So people who I see this, a lot of people who are on a plant-based diet or a fruit-based diet, they are starting to fail starting to feel negative effects and it is down to these few minor deficiencies i see it across board i see the b12 i see the d3 i see iodine and sometimes iron not very often but for sure b12 and d3 and as you were saying in the uk your body can't synthesize it from october to march so we're seeing a huge deficiency as it's a pro-hormone, it has a regulate or a down regulation through the whole system. So, so many things can come from it. Sure. Having high levels of vitamin D is incredible for your immune system and your well-being, for sure. As soon as the sun shines in the UK, everybody, everybody's different. The UK has changed over, you know, the last 10 years, dramatically with its weather patterns. From 6 a.m., the, the, the chemtrail planes are out probably about 5.30 a.m. They grid the skies and you have a blanket all day now what happens is they the, the skies clear around about five or six or seven every single night and then the moon's out which gives cold light so they trap the cold in during the day keep it gray and then they clear it to allow the cold to come through in the evenings if one's observant enough you can truly see the manipulation of the weather on a consistent basis so I know this is just a place where I grew up, a space where I have my family and grounding, but my eyes have always been somewhere warm because I feel the difference within my being. I know there's a difference. I, it's not hearsay. It's actually experienced. And the reason why Mediterranean or equatorial life expectancies are so much more it might not be down to the standard diet because the standard diet is still predominantly poor. Meat, dairy, eggs, cheese, bread. But it's the amount of sun they're having. Sun is so important to us. Our life expectancies, our well-being, our health is increased when we have high levels of vitamin D. And even the recommendations from our doctors are so very low, they just stop you being deficient. You know, our body, I think, within one to two hours synthesizes about 20,000 IU of sunlight and converts them. The UK doctors recommend you to have 400 IU a day supplementation. Now, if you realize that maybe 10% of that's going to be absorbed by the body, that's just 40 IU. 
So, I mean, it's probably for another discussion, but the body can handle a really significant amount of vitamin D. And most people find remedy in ailments when they sit at the higher end of the spectrum. But yeah, it's, it's a really good point to have. Um, yeah, as for B12, you know, B12, I would say, you know, the science shows it can recycle within the body from three to 20 years. So through the process, you can be consuming food that's going to keep you topped up. But I do see a lot of cases uh, with low vitamin B12. Even the cases of people having numb arms and numb legs, completely numb, starting to lose their motor functions. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily correlate because they're on a plant-based diet and their intrinsic factor is still there and working. So there has to be something just to be looked at. And I feel when people are experimenting on new diets, it's just really good to get your blood work done on a regular basis. So you have your own knowledge to be your own doctor and make slight adjustments through that time. Because our health, you know, is truly not necessarily respected until it's taken from us. So if we can do the best we can do now on a slow and steady approach, get ourselves into a new lifestyle, we can have a clean, healthy, happy bit of health for the rest of our lives. And as much fruit as possible. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the thing with the uh, vitamin D, I mean, you're absolutely right that we need far more than the minimum. The, the problem is, is that um, taking artificial vitamin D isn't really such a good thing for the body. And so it may be that it's good to get whatever you need to get by, but not more than that, because it's not really good for you. I mean, unfortunately, the real problem comes back to the simple fact that we're tropical animals. If you were to take any any animal that was native to the tropics and move it to another climate, it wouldn't do very well. And we just we're going to thrive best in the climate that we're meant to be in. So I don't I don't think there's any question about that. You know, with with uh, with vitamin B12, I mean, you're absolutely right. There are many people eating perfectly who wind up with issues with deficiencies. But it's what I found is that there's only really two reasons that one becomes deficient in anything. And either it's that the diet itself is deficient. You know, if it's obviously if it's not there in the diet, I mean, if it's not something the body can, can create, um, let's talk about iron, for instance, you know, we're meant to get iron from the foods we eat. And if you're eating foods that contain no iron, you're very likely to wind up iron deficient at some point. Um, but it's also possible simply because the body isn't working very well. And what I found having fasted uh, so many people is that it's almost always the latter. As you mentioned earlier, Josh, you know, even people eating uh, a typical, you know, standard, I call it a standard anywhere diet. You know, people talk about the standard American diet, the sad diet, standard anywhere diet. The diet in the UK is not any better, maybe worse. Um, you know, it's the same in Australia. It's the same in every industrialized country. People are eating mostly processed crap. And so, but even that those processed foods do have added nutrients. So theoretically, one should be able to get all the nutrients they need. But the problem is that the body's not functioning properly. And this is why supplementing may resolve the under, you know, the, the, the symptom of the deficiency, but it's not resolving the underlying problem. If the problem is, I mean, it's not resolving the underlying problem in any case. One, it's a poor diet. We haven't fixed the diet before supplementing. Um, 
I mean, we haven't necessarily fixed the diet. And, and B, it's that the body's simply not working properly. What I find is that fasting long enough and properly, we can resolve those issues. And so we've had many people, I mean, hundreds of people who had vitamin B12 problems who were able to resolve them by getting their body clean and most importantly, hydrated. And one of the things we've seen here, as, as uh, Alex is well aware, I've, I've been focusing, I, you know, I really woke up to the problem with hydration more than 30 years ago. We've now measured in the last 17 years, the hydration levels of more than 6,000 people. Almost everyone is severely dehydrated. Surprisingly, for many, I mean, not maybe not surprisingly, the most dehydrated people are people who have a dry fasting practice. Anyone who's been dry fasting tends to be exceptionally dehydrated. Um, but the next most dehydrated people here aren't people eating conventionally. They're people eating a fruit-based diet who aren't drinking enough water, thinking they're getting the water they need from their food. And this, it's a whole other discussion. Alex, it wasn't something you, you, know, you, you mentioned talking about today. We don't have to get into it. But you know, I, I believe that B12, our ability to absorb B12 is directly related to our level of hydration. Oh, that, that's super interesting. And actually, um, I think, so. as I shared, and I'll do a, a separate podcast because I do a lot of checks also on myself as a, like a, a, a guinea pig. But for the B12, I'm a little bit, um, I'm under. And, and so what I'm thinking of doing is for the next three months, taking a little bit of supplements, like the minimum, and uh -huh. see how it goes and test again. But then I also want to do the 21. And, and you're, 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 you're doing a serum B12 test, a blood test? Uh, it was actually, it was something different. It was looking at the the um, red uh, blood, like the blood cells. I, I have ordered another test, but anyway, if if that's confirmed, what I'm thinking is for a little bit, take the supplement and then do the long fast. So for a little bit, it's just for the symptoms yeah. and then do the long water fast to actually take care of the cause. And then I can do uh, another test also like, a few months after that and see if without the supplement with the fast it could work well one, one thing gone you please go further i'm sorry i what yeah, i was just going to say one thing you might want to keep in mind is that um i mean so they're interpreting uh, an issue with red blood cells to be because of b12 and and again everything's interconnected that could be the case um most people are looking at a serum b12 test which isn't necessarily the best way to check there's a couple of other tests you can do, methylmalonic acid, which moves opposite. So if that's low, then you probably really do have a problem. Um, excuse me, if that's low, your B12 is probably good. But if it's high, then you probably have a problem. Um, and there's, there's another one that uh, escapes me for the moment. Um, you can test as well. These things are going to give you a better indication because, you know, the fact is that we don't need B12 in the bloodstream. We need it in the cells. And so measuring how much is, what if it's, low in your bloodstream because it's all in the cells where it should be, right? It could well be that that's, you know, obviously if you're, if you're eating animal products, you're going to have much more B12 in your bloodstream. But this, the science shows that meat eaters have roughly the same rates of actual clinical B12 deficiency problems. Not, in other words, not test results, but actual problems that they're having the, the numbness and, and you know motor function issues because of low B12. Uh, I have a naturopath fasting with me right now for the third time. And it was 
her first or second fast, I was talking about this in one of the lectures and she raised her hand and said, Lauren's right, we see people all the time at the clinic where she works in San Diego as a naturopathic doctor where people come in and their serum B12 tests are fine, but they're actually having B12 problems or the opposite where their B12 test says they're, they're deficient, but they're actually perfectly fine. There's no evidence that there's any problem whatsoever. So I think we wanna be a little cautious about how, and this, you know, you both mentioned uh, testing things, and I think that's fine if you understand how to properly interpret the results. Uh, they can't be interpreted the way that doctors interpret them most of the time. Yeah, just this education as well. But I've definitely seen people who've had a deficient B12 who've supplemented to get their levels back up and then go into fasting, heal themselves from the intrinsic factor issues that stop it being produced by the gut. You know, so there's many different ways to look at it. But I feel, you know, especially when approaching fasting, I think one of the most important things is to make sure there is no underlying deficiency before they go on an extensive fast. How do you feel about that, Brother Lauren? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too concerned about deficiencies. Um, we we uh, require everyone to have their sodium, potassium, and chloride levels checked. And to be honest, we didn't do this for the first 24 years of existence. We and that's because I, I believed it wasn't necessary, and we never had an issue with it. I mean, we would occasionally have someone run into a problem. We have. I have a guy right now. Um, who went to the hospital yesterday, uh, he was fine, but this was his second fast here and he wound up needing the same thing last time. He's a type one diabetic. He's got serious issues. He's been making poor choices. And he, um, I mean, he, he said uh, just last week that his blood sugar's never been better than mm -hmm. since after fasting with me. But he went back and started making poor choices again and wound up coming back with blood sugar in the 300s. You know, where it should be, we should be under 100. Um, and so he was having all these symptoms and uh, became nauseous and, and, you know, wound up vomiting 30 times in two days. And so before creating a problem, before actually wind up, winding up not being able to speak, you know, having some serious issue because of the deficiency, we said, let's, let's get you to the hospital so they can give you uh, IVs. We can't do that without a doctor's prescription. And so we can't do it here. I have a doctor on site but she's not licensed to, to practice in Costa Rica. Um, she's a client of mine who changed her life fasting with me and is now, I'm training her to supervise fasts so she can take over that aspect of uh, what we do here. But, but anyway, um, you know, it's, it's very, very rare for anyone to develop an electrolyte problem unless they start off with low electrolytes. Mm -hmm. so, so we check to make sure those are okay. But with almost everything else, including B12, we almost always see this improving as a result of fasting. Almost always. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can uh, agree to that too. But I have seen some fasting really take people's B12 levels down and debilitate them into you know more severe deficiencies. Um, as you were saying, that guy, I, I feel like that guy isn't necessarily you know ready uh, consciously and aware of the things that he's consuming which keeps setting him back so one thing we always try to give people the awareness is a transitional diet you know most people come in aren't necessarily ready and have the awareness to make these decision choices consistently to remove them from their life forever you know so somebody coming from western diet we tell them to have a transitional onto a whole food plant-based diet and then move into a raw system to a fruit system then into fasting 
because along the way they're going to feel the benefits they're also going to build up a, a strength to it they're going to lose their desires for the other food because they know the food that they're on now they're probably going to cheat to the previous transition so if they're raw they might have a small bit of cooked until they're ready to live this lifestyle you know for a, for a holistic healing and a longevity i feel that each individual is on their own individual journey a lot of people are sick they're finding fasting but it's truly what they do after the fasting is going to keep their wellness so it's important that we have this baseline health and it's only found through one's own individual searching you know we can point as much as we like to these people but really everyone's own individual awareness sits them in a space that they are going to be eating at so whatever you're doing on your own individual journey out there don't rush you know allow your body time allow your body to get used to certain foods before you're shifting and changing them and sit with these diets and feel the shift feel the change anytime you move yourself from a diet you're going to experience either, either a desensitization or you're going to feel more sensitive and you're going to experience these heightened senses that come with it you know i remember on a, on a journey you know food eating from the garden for this year it was incredible when we were in spain everything came from the garden absolutely everything we're grounding every day we're in the sunshine every day and then a form of clairvoyance and telepathy just started to adapt you started to hear things you started to be able to read people on a different level so you'd say there's supernatural abilities within each and every one of us and essentially it's just when we become supernatural and the more we search the more we'll find what truly is natural for our being and the journey that i have has been a long and extensive one and you know we said it a few times on it there is nothing more balance with your being than fruit itself. So the, the closer you can get to garden food, garden fruit, this is how you're going to live the longest, happiest, healthiest, free, least resistance you can. But when we do interact with cooked food, like Brother Lauren said, is you're depleting the enzymes from it. The body has to make them. There's lethargy, there's tiredness, there's acidosis that comes from this. So if we're just looking for health, then the path of least resistance within the body is going to bring that in as fruit. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I agree with much of what you said around consciousness, for sure. I mean, I'd be absolutely. You know, the consciousness is the most important piece. And that's, I, I'm, I, my, uh, my journey started, uh, I mean, I, I started out um, like you at a young age. I was 14 when I began studying nutrition and health because I was interested in maximizing my potential. And then I got sick and realized, oh, I actually, it's what where I thought I was going, what I thought was healthy, I realized I was actually way off in many regards. And so it was, you know, it was an amazingly powerful lesson. I'm so grateful that it happened. And you're absolutely right. I mean, everyone, everyone comes to this with a different level of consciousness. And 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 most people probably aren't there yet. But what's interesting is that what what I find is that when we fast people. You know, again, it's it's the average is is close to four weeks. Um, we see enormous shifts in consciousness for most people. And the interesting thing is that even when people have transitioned, and again, this you know this is a piece that uh, is somewhat controversial. There's a lot of people out there, including other people who fat who supervise fast, who say that there is no mucoid plaque. Um, no one who fasts with me uh, holds that view any longer. Uh, the six MDs I fasted in the last 12 months all came to me saying the same thing. Oh, come on, that doesn't exist. 
because they were taught that in, in medical school. By the time they were finished their fast, they said, oh, it does exist. There's no question about it. We can, we, you know, we've had this experience. We now know exactly what you're talking about. And the, uh, the explanations that other people give, that they, they don't, they don't, uh, they don't seem to hold water. Um, but uh, people have those opinions because the way they're guiding people through the process, they tend to not eliminate the stuff as happens here and happens to virtually everyone. Um, what we, what's interesting is that when people are moving material out of their body, that's been there for 30 or 40 or 50 years. Now I've got people here now who, are, I mean, about 75% of our clients wake up while fasting with dreams that they were eating something so vivid. They're like, holy crap, I, I'm fasting. What did I do? I just broke my fast. Oh my, what am I going to, and then I, and I was like, wait a second, I don't even eat that anymore. And it's almost always stuff that they haven't eaten in a long time. And I believe this is because as the body is breaking down this, this debris that's been lodged in their small intestine for their entire life, however long they've been alive, it's, they begin reabsorbing things into the bloodstream and it re-enters their consciousness. And so regardless of how long someone's transitioned, when they fast long enough and properly, they're going to re-experience this. And there's going to be some cravings for those things in the same way that if you've taken heroin or cocaine or alcohol or nicotine, once it's in your bloodstream again, as your body's detoxing from it, which, which happens immediately after you stop using it, you begin to get rid of it and then you want more. That's, that's why you're hooked on these substances, um, one of the reasons. And so the same thing is happening with these, these uh, toxic substances that people call food. I don't call them food, but um, that's what happens. And I find this to be the case even when someone has, has done a long transition, because we, we work with people who've done that. Um, you know, and this, this can be taken, I think, to absurd levels. Uh, we know people who say, you know, they've been transitioning for 20 years. I, I personally, I transition overnight. And I have clients who heard me speak and said, oh, that makes sense. And that was the last time they ate anything besides uh, fruit and salad. It, it, didn't, it doesn't mean that their journey was easy. Certainly, if you do it that way, there's going to be more intense. It's going to be a more intense process in most cases uh, as you begin to detoxify much more quickly. And I think it really depends on mindset. You know, can, you know I'm, I'm the type of person that says, okay, you know what? This makes sense. This is what I'm doing. Um, other people, you know, it may not be so easy for them, but, but I think, I think it's important to understand that how much transition helps varies from person to person isn't necessarily the way it's a way and it's, it's valid if that's what works best for you or someone else. But I think it's, it's equally valid to, to simply stop putting the stuff in your face that ultimately isn't going to be very good for you. That comes through recognition and, and a level of consciousness that has come to a belief and hopefully a knowing that this food is not for them you know and and people who know this and still go against it this is where it impacts consciousness because you create more thought forms and then you have to deal with these thought forms because you're doing something you know that you shouldn't so as i was i was going to ask this question you know you we've all seen it we've all experienced it the massive shift in consciousness that changes when you you know you go into fasting gives you this space, this, uh, this, this freedom from mind chatter. Um, when someone's not necessarily ready and they have experienced that and they go back onto their normal diet that they did previously, 
I find that this can create a lot of tension, you know, a lot of irritability and uh, let's say more ego, more negativity in their life. Um, they can be seen two ways. You know, it can be seen as the mind is actually expressing something to you that you need to recognize and make shifts and adjustments. But if you can't do it, some people can suffer more. So how do you feel about if people aren't ready yet they go to an extended fast and they haven't made the necessary changes previous to this, you know, the inner standing that these foods are not foods. We should be having a certain balanced diet that is our natural food. Um, how do you find people's reports when they aren't ready? Do you find them having a lot of negativity happen in their life? Well, I, I think as, again, as these substances re-enter the bloodstream and that when that's whether it's happening as you're detoxing from them or it's happening because after you're done, you go right back to eating them. Once you put them back into a cleaner, better functioning system, you're going to react to them in a way that you stop doing. You know, if you eat McDonald's every day, you're gonna stop reacting to McDonald's. You're gonna feel okay. You're gonna feel normal, whatever that is. Whatever level of vitality is probably not very high. You're gonna experience that if that's what you eat every day. Um, whereas, you know, if, if you or if any of the three of us were to go have a McDonald's meal, we probably wouldn't feel so good physically. And it's irregardless of consciousness. Um, you know, the fact is it's processed garbage and it's not going to be very good for us. It's going to have an impact. And, you know, I, I mean, I agree again, completely with what you were saying earlier, you're not the physical body, right? We're, we're spiritual beings, but here's the thing. We're having a physical journey. And so, you know, I, I had an experience many years ago. I was a cadet at the Air Force Academy and I was the kind of guy, you know, you, you said to me, don't do this. I thought I should probably do that because I'm, I mean, that, you know, that's what, that's what young guys often do, right? So they told us, you're not allowed to even get on a motorcycle. My best friend and I looked at each other and said, let's go get a couple of motorcycles. And that's what we did. On our first weekend pass, we went to Denver, bought a couple of motorcycles, um, stored them at a friend's house. We, we were both learning to fly an airplane. We, had, we shared the same flight instructor, and he lived right across from the base, was a civilian, you know, couldn't get in trouble, had a garage and said, you can keep him in my garage. So that summer, and it was a used bike that I bought, um, all I could afford. I drove it across the U.S. I, I drove it back home uh, 2,000 plus miles, and I had a lot of problems with it. And I, what made, it made me realize that when the vehicle's not functioning very well, that this is a vehicle. I, it's not me. I'm not this vehicle. But if the vehicle's not functioning very well, my experience is going to be far less enjoyable. Um, I've since I've done multiple uh, trips across Europe. I did lecture tours every year for several years on a big BMW motorcycle, which still lives in Germany. Um, and those trips were far more enjoyable because the machine, you know, it's one of the best machines ever built. And so it's, you know, it's, it was in perfect condition. I didn't have to think about that, those kinds of issues. Whereas way back in the, uh, what was that around 1980, um, I had, I had lots of issues that I was dealing with. And so, you know, it's, I think it's the same for people on their, on their journey through life. When the vehicle, we're not the vehicle. And some people say, well, if we're not the vehicle, what does it matter? Well, it matters because the how much you enjoy your experience is going to largely depend on how much time you have to spend maintaining the vehicle. I love the fact that for the last 35 years, I haven't had to think about it. As long as I keep making the best choices, you know, I haven't been, I, I was sick 
um, for the first time in 34 years back in October, when a friend brought me a small jar of organic raw cashew butter that they've actually hand processed themselves here in Costa Rica. And I thought, I'll have a tiny bit, which turned into the entire jar. And for the next two or three days, my body wasn't happy. Um, I don't normally do a lot of concentrated fat. You know, that it's was a shock the to the body, isn't it? It's more of like an acidic shock the body has to deal with, get out the lymphatic system, so you feel the symptoms. But it's not sickness as such, is it? No, well, I mean, sick is always the body detoxing. Sick is always the mm. body attempting to cleanse and heal. And so, it was, but that was the first time I've had those kind of symptoms in 35 years. Um, so until then, you know, I've never missed a single day of work. I've never mm. not done anything I wanted to because I didn't feel well. That's, for me, the reason I consistently make excellent choices is because my life is much more enjoyable and I can use this vehicle however I want to and don't ever have to say, no, but I can't, you know, today I don't feel good. That never happens. What do you find as well with people that you speak with on a regular basis or help? People that predominantly live on a raw fruit-based lifestyle, but they still consume something like a potato meal once a week or once a fortnight. Yeah. Because in my experience, they haven't got the, you know, the microbiome to be able to deal with it. So the body's kind of eliminating toxins and what it needs to be able to break this down. And then they're reintroducing it. So they're also experiencing what you went through. So they're consistently unwell just because of that choice. Now, I would say somebody that still is in that vibration or still is making these choices that they should actually have it more regular than they are every fortnight because they're then coming to a space of balance and i've seen this work you know for so many people so i would say that if somebody's still making these choices it's better to do them more regular for their wellness not necessarily longevity but yeah for their immediate wellness so they have what's needed inside their digestion to be able well to I, I think i think um i i think this company excuse me just one second i've got a cat who is Making well, a lot of I'll, I'll, I'll comment anyway on that because that would be me actually. Um, <laughs> like what you described would exactly be me. Maybe every if once a week or once every two weeks, I'll have a bit of uh, sweet potato mashed or steamed broccoli or carrot or something, and often like to try. And um, but it's almost like I'm like, oh yeah, it's, it's more heavy. It's like it's like a little reminder. I feel like. I need less and less often though, as I do it to slowly let go of it. Because if, if I'm told, okay, you can't have that anymore for the rest of your life, the, my mind's gonna create a resistance to it. Well, yeah. if I tell myself that I'm allowed, but just I, I teach through my body, I also teach the mind with less and less frequent uh, eating of this food that it's, it's not great. It's, to me, it feels part of the education. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think it's, um, I mean, it's wonderful to be able to experience it that way, right? Not don't beat yourself up. If you're going to make those choices, don't beat yourself up, but realize, okay, you know, A, why am I doing this? Is, it, is this actually serving me? You know, I, I think, I think Josh, what's true is that, and it was interesting the way you said, I mean, for your immediate wellness, I, I think really you're, you're hearkening back to the way we've all grown up thinking about health and wellness, but I'm not sure if it's accurate because what'll happen is if you eat it regularly, you'll have fewer symptoms every time you do that. But yes. me measuring vitality is hard to do. I, I believe um, 
Are you familiar with bioimpedance devices? Say it one more time, it skipped as you bio, said. Bioimpedance devices. They send uh -huh. a tiny bit of electric current through the body. Uh, body fat contains about 10% water, much less than lean tissue, which is, you know, typically 70% or 65%, should be 80%, I believe. Um, the fat is, because it's very low in water, it tends to impede the flow of current. And so this technology allows you to measure uh, muscle mass and water content in the body and body fat, et cetera. And when I, I spoke to the inventor of the technology at length for several hours, uh, quite a few years ago, um, brilliant guy, you know, I said, if we could measure vitality, I think this is what it would look like. And he said, I think you're right. And it was about how, how our electrical um, current flow is relative to the potential for that flow. Unfortunately, it's, diff it's not easy you know, there aren't very many tools that can actually show us that, and they're not easily affordable by most people. But if we can see how's our flow relative to the potential, I mean, there's a theoretical potential, but if we can see what the actual potential is, that would give us a sense of vitality. I think what happens is when you eat once a week a baked potato, I mean, I think your vitality, your vitality is going to fall every time. And the more often you do it, the less you notice the change, but the lower your baseline level of vitality is. And so, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think that's advantageous to anyone. I think, except that you're going to have fewer symptoms. But I, I think you're, what you're really doing is you're, you're ensuring that you're not vibrating at the same level. And, you know, it's interesting because I think we all agree here that ultimately it comes down to consciousness. You could say it comes down, you know, it's, it's about the spiritual connection. For me... For me, I, I believe, I've come to believe, I'm sorry, Alex, you want to say something? I just want to raise you about 10 minutes over Josh at the moment, because I keep track of the speaking time. Oh, okay. It's good to be a little bit more, more brief. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up. Um, what I believe, you know, for me, I think spirituality is just about recognizing and experiencing my connection with everything. And that happens when I'm vibrating at the same rate as the rest of nature, that happens when my, when my body is as clean as possible, clean and hydrated by eating um, raw. So I, yeah. I, it's kind of, you would say the higher vibrancy you are is the rate of reciprocation the energy comes back to source yeah. back again. Yeah. Essentially your magnetic field, you know, the aura essentially is what we have. Um, I was going to ask you quickly because uh, I, I just wrote down protein. And for me, it's a great question. Everybody asks, what do you do for protein? And protein is what the muscles are made of. The body creates protein itself through mm -hmm. protein synthesis from amino acids and glucose. I see it just simply this. And any time that people are eating protein, essentially is the matrix of matter that is holding nutrients together. So we do not need to consume protein. We create protein ourselves. How do you see this? Um, do you have the well, same? Yes. I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely right in a sense. Um, we do create our own proteins. And as you just said, we create those proteins from amino acids. Uh, proteins are made up of um, uh, different combinations and proportions of amino acids. We, we don't make amino acids. I mean, we make some, but we, they're essential amino acids that we have to consume. And so, but here's the thing. 
I mean, we don't need any concentrated proteins because as you just said, protein is what holds everything together. And so the structure of every cell is protein, every single living cell. So yesterday I got my protein from uh, watermelon and lettuce and tomatoes and cucumbers. And um, most days it's papayas and watermelons and mangoes and uh, pineapples and things like that. Lucky boy. <laughs> Again? Lucky boy. Yeah. <laughs> we make our own luck. Yes, we do. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I, with you, if you look at the words as well, you know, amino acid is it, amino acid. And also the word fruit, you see it, it says for you, it. Essentially, consciousness expresses itself so divinely that we can have these you know, opportunities to see through all of these things. Uh-huh. But yeah, for me, when you consume proteins such as, we would just say meat, eggs, dairy, things like this, I see is your body's got to break down this protein into amino acids to then re put inside the body. That's right. right. And that process is slightly acidic. But we're not trying to create acidity because every time we go into acidity, we take the alkaline from our minerals ourselves. So we're depleting ourselves every time we consume these dense proteins. So the best thing, the most effortless thing is to consume these fruits, which are essentially the perfect fuel for our body. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this this is one one of the many reasons why it's important not to eat animal products because all animal products are acid forming, but mm-hmm. most foods are acid forming too. I mean, what's not mm-hmm. acid forming is fruit and, and leafy greens, even nuts and seeds are acid forming. I think the body can handle the small quantities of acid forming foods, but ultimately we need to keep our blood pH in a very narrow range. And every time we have something acid forming, it's tending to, to fall. And as you said, I mean, if we do too much of this, we wind up losing calcium and other uh, minerals that we need to, to have. And actually uh, that ties in also to the conversation of like a lot of people who are into fruit, they feel like they struggle to build muscles or, or to have, a, or, or at least that's been my experience also. Like I feel pretty energized, but in terms of pure strength and weightlifting, it can feel um more challenging and i know josh x especially you've you've like alternating between sometimes cleansing and sometimes like building a lot and from what i understand what you recommend is actually to eat a lot like to eat a lot of fruit i think you you did something like ten thousand calories at some point yeah it's it's so goal dependent you know if your goal is to experience ultimate health then it's not recommended if your goal is just to experience something and you're looking to gain muscle, then you need to eat excess calories. Now, the bo- calories is another thing. We shouldn't say excess food. The body doesn't want to hold on to excess muscle. Not at all. It's inefficient. The body wants as little muscle as it needs to be able to do the jobs that you do. So essentially, if you're looking to grow muscle, you have to put in even more work with your food than you do in the gym. Every, every moment of your day, is tend to be focused around your meals if you're really looking to put on this mass. So anyone that's not gaining is just not eating enough. Now, you know, calories is, is one thing, but if we just say calories for this conversation, you look at a kilo of bananas, it's 900 calories. A good coconut is a thousand. You know, there's these calories that people say they can't get from fruit. It's here, it's available to us, but it's just simple science. You know, if you're not growing, you're not eating enough. And a lot of us don't eat enough uh, fruits when we do consume them. 
for me, I feel a little bit in between two kind of, uh, let's say, concepts. One being, okay, well, I, I want to be uh, a strong Hutaian. I want to like, I want to be, I want to be able to lift stuff. I don't want to be weak. And so in that way, I'm like, okay, so I should eat more so I can build more, more muscle and be stronger. But on the other end, like the, the more fasting part, almost um, looking into abs better absorption things. Okay, the more I, I feel, the more I eat, the more I put work for my body. And that actually maybe through eating less, I allow to get more absorption and get more from everything I eat. So I don't really know if I should eat more or eat less. Right. Well, I think I think the I mean it's, I don't think uh, you can say um, strictly that it's one or the other because eating more uh, and what you mean just eat as much as you possibly can like every moment of your life you spend eating that obviously no. that's obviously understanding how to keep the body anabolic is one of the most well, important it, things we can do for muscle growth. Exactly. The point. The, my point is that. I think what you want to do is figure out how much you need to eat for your body, depending on what's going on with your body. Uh, and it's absolutely true that if you want to build more muscle mass, i.e. size, you're going to have to eat more calories than you're eating otherwise. If you're not getting the size you want, it requires more calories. I, I don't agree that you need to eat more, necessarily need more calories to get more strength. And you don't have to have size to have strength. So, you know, and I, I mean, I fully understand, you know, I started off on my journey thinking, how can I get bigger? Because I was, uh, four, when I was 14, I grew 10 inches without gaining a pound. And I looked like a stick with a nose and hormones are kicking in. And, you know, I, I wanted to put on some muscle mass. Um, I did that by paying more attention to what I was eating and increasing the, the amount of food, the number of calories I was consuming. I was able to build more mass that way. But I was also on the wrestling team at the Air Force Academy. And the only guy who could bench the entire stack on the universal weight machine was the second smallest guy on the team who did not have big arms. He weighed 110 pounds or something. Um, and he could bench the whole stack. He was the only guy that could do it. Um, you know, it's not about size. It's, not, it's, it's, it's about as much about efficiency as, as it is about muscle mass. It's how well are we using what we have. And it's true. You don't need to put on size to get more strength, but there's still going to be a limit to the amount of muscle size that you have that can build a limit of strength. I, I most, people, most people who are shorter tend to have these shorter levers, so they tend to be better at bench press, squat, and things like this. But when you're a tall guy as well, you have to have a you know a significant amount of muscle to be able to so can match someone who's shorter. Um, one interesting fact is fruit is the most anabolic food we can eat. Now, I had my testosterone checked early last year, just for informational purposes. And in the UK, it should range between 9 and 28 on the scale. And mine was 42. They were asking me if I was, on, if I was taking any anabolic steroids or anything like this. Um, and if you do a small amount of research, in the 90s, there were studies, you know, fruitarians and plant-based people always had elevated levels of testosterone compared to meat eaters. Now, we have been conditioned to believe that meat gives yeah. us testosterone. Right. It doesn't. It shuts, down, it shuts down the process of the body creating these hormones. So essentially, right. if you eliminate these foods and you give the proper foods to the body, you don't deplete with age. You don't see 
people experience testosterone levels drop in age 30 to 35, they stay high. And and the same with my father, you know, he's on a whole food plant-based diet. Incredible. He helped, he healed his diabetes after 37 years and his testosterone levels are really high and he's in his sixties, you know? So So am I. So am I. Yeah. Living on, living on, living on and small amounts of fruit. Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite. When you're talking about sometimes eating 10,000 calories. My average day is between 1,000 and 1,200. Now, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm probably lighter than you. I'm six feet tall and 150 pounds, but I maintain that by simply staying active. I don't, I don't, I wish I had more time to, to be active. I love body mm-hmm. surfing and mountain biking and rock climbing, but I work 16 to 18 hours a day most days. Mm-hmm. So but you get what you need for strength. You don't need any more. That's right. Plus, your body compared to somebody who was on a different, you're going to be more muscular by nature because of the food you're consuming. Right. It, it, I mean, again, I'm, because because I'm relatively lean, it, I don't I don't have giant muscles, but but I have a lot of strength. It's it's always surprising to people how strong I am. Yeah. Well, I'm five foot eleven and a half, so just under six foot. Yeah. Um, and I embarked on a fitness journey. We were creating a course on our website, a fitness course. Um, and I embarked on a fitness journey again because I had seven years completely off. I went down to, it was just on a fast of about 138 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and in three months, just by introducing training and food on a higher volume, I went from 138 pounds to 190. And now I'm currently, you know, I've done some fasting recently again. So I'm currently sitting about 198 um, 198 pounds at the moment and i'm just going to see this year where my body takes so we can just help inspire people who are looking for that you know you don't need to consume excess amounts of you know, meat, no uh, no and, and in, in, in fact not only do you not need to consume excess amounts um and and clearly they're not looking at the, the the diet you know that we're all agreeing is optimal i think but longevity experts the only thing they agree on uh, they you know they disagree on so many things including what we should be eating Etc. But the only thing they seem to agree on is that if we eat more calories than we need to, we shorten our lives. Yeah, actually. But the more I, calories you eat of a better food, you're going to still experience a better life. So it's better to eat more calories, of course, of fruits than it is of any other food. Well, of, of course. I mean, the worse your diet is, the less you should eat. Um, yeah. But but still, even if you're eating perfectly, you know, I believe we want to eat no more than we need to to feel and function amazingly well. I'm not talking about, you know, to be depleted, to be weak and skinny. I'm talking Mm. about to feel and function amazingly well. Yeah, that's that's optimum for health, for balance, for longevity, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And recently I was reading a new book on longevity by a a guy called um, Dr. Mark Hyman. Do you know him and the book? Mark Hyman, yeah. Mark Hyman. Yeah. And the book is called uh, Forever Young. And it's, yeah, it's interesting, as you said, people can't really agree because, I mean, a, a lot of it will be aligned with what we talk about, but he would recommend a, a little bit of grass-fed meat once, like, every now and then, once a week or something, and he says, yeah, yeah quite important. I think it's just because these people do it themselves, you know, right. and they experience that, which is fine. And somebody who also wants to have a little bit of meat will find his ideas great, too. Well, you're, you're yes. very generous, Uh Josh, because I, I believe it's it's not just because um, they've had great experience with it. I think it's often because they don't even want to consider changing themselves. Yeah, yeah. So we tend we tend to try to justify. I mean, most people, so that they are not in conflict with themselves, tend to look for ways to justify their own choices. Yeah, 
which for them is going to be the best thing they can do you know for for the level of consciousness they have of course if they you know continue the journey and they find a space of fruit then they're going to know different aren't they but exactly yeah i mean i if you know i'd love to get guys like mark hyman here for four weeks i guarantee he'd leave her with a different opinion yeah yeah of course and um, yeah, another guy that does something interesting is a guy called Brian Johnson. He looks pretty agnostic. He's like a multimillionaire and he, put, he has a whole team of uh, medical doctors to, to reverse aging, basically. And he ends up on a, uh, on a vegan diet, actually, but with a, quite a bit of cooked things like and broccoli and things like this. Right. That's, as, a, as a parenthesis. You want to reverse your age, you just go and do a fast with Lauren. <laughs> you come out looking 10 years younger from the first day to the four weeks in. Yeah, no question. You truly do. It's incredible. Um, and also, you know, when you know what foods are your own, or they should be for your body, is when you finish a fast, the foods that you consume there are so light on the stomach. You know, you know that for your fast. And I did a... a a show with um, the vegetable police. Have you heard of him, brother? Lawrence? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And he did I've a been water trying passage. to have him on the podcast too. <laughs> have you? I can connect you. Um, Thank you. We uh, he did a refeed with raw egg. Did you hear about that? Yes, I did. Yeah, he's yeah. he's at one. I mean, I only heard of him because he actually uh, at one point was was talking about me and what he the fasting, etc. But I, mm-hmm. I've never. Yeah, and he had to go to the emergency room, you know, for that. Right. And there's some theories out there, you know, people are suggesting to do these things. But, you know, that's why it's so important to grow yourself in consciousness and apply these truths or beliefs that you have and experience this. Because when you know, you would never, ever no. consume a raw egg after you finish the fast or no. even consume it. Well, yeah. so talking uh, about, about the fast, we can get into water fasting a bit so lesson number one don't break it with raw eggs um the other right. thing, let's, <laughs> i know lorraine you're quite like kind of strict in the way that okay water fast is only water you don't want to add like lemon juice or things for electrolytes all that uh, right. uh, how are you on that josh what's the um, i think in a in, in an interview i heard you talk about supporting with some electrolyte or, or lime juice what do you think really is the depends. best way to water fast? Yeah, I mean, it really depends because it's not on a one-to-one basis or they're not with me. You've got to be careful what you advise people, you know. So some people, if they have electrolyte issues, they're going to have to be very careful in what they do and they, one, should know, but two, sometimes just to have water with a pinch of salt in it is still going to be so much beneficial than consuming, you know, the food that they normally do. It's going to bring a great, a great cleanse, a great heal. And I think ancient Chinese medicines, you know, they're very into their tea. And I believe they were fasting with tea to heal diseases when disease is going to be healed through fasting anyway. But the element of tea maybe give may, maybe they had the idea that it was what was within the tea that was healing them. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a great point, Josh. And I, th- I think it's important to understand. I mean, uh, you know, the reason... Alex, that you're absolutely right. First of all, it's water only. We don't add anything. And let me say, I mean, if someone is is electrolyte deficient, and we'll say to them, okay, you have two options. You can you can start eating food, um, and and taking some electrolytes, or you can simply take the electrolytes. In either case, 
technically your fast is over. You're still, you're not actually fasting. It changes the process, but that's what that person needs to do. We don't, we're not going to have someone continue. Now, as I said before, we have everyone test their electrolytes before they start. So we don't wind up in trouble. And it only happens like with, with uh, Jeff, who I mentioned earlier, a, a different Jeff, a client Jeff, who's with me now, who for the second time wound up with an electrolyte problem because his specific condition, he's been diabetic for many, many years, uh, has, you know, makes it very hard for him. He winds up getting nauseous and vomiting and um, it's difficult because you're losing electrolytes. Um, so in that, in that case, uh, you know, he was already, he was already done fasting anyway. Um, he, would, he had already broken his fast, but uh, wasn't actually able to keep anything down because of the vomiting. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes electrolytes need to be added. Um, but I, ideally, you know, to maximize our benefit, we fast without them. And what we do is we make sure that people are starting in a good place so they're not going to wind up in trouble. Do you use disturbed water? What type of water do you use? No, we don't. We don't. Uh, and, and, I, and I wouldn't recommend it. We use, um, we use spring water here. Um, okay. One of the reasons I bought this site was because there was ample water bubbling up out of the ground. And it's, you know, it's it's about as, as perfect as, as you can get clear and tasteless. And, you know, it feels good. The pH is right around seven most of the time. It varies a little bit. We test mm -hmm. it regularly. Um, I don't think we can improve on, on that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, actually... Um... It, it's interesting what you said with the tea, Josh. I know vegetable police got into urine therapy, which I tried for a few months too. And actually, when I looked at the literature, often it's a lot of case studies of people who fast and drink urine. Right. Which, you know, and of course, because fasting cures, then whatever you do with it is going to be pretty good yeah. anyway. It's, well, it's the same as someone coming from a Western diet onto a, a cleaner type of carnivorism, you know. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, all these people, you know, unfortunately deluded who are consuming carnivore diet or a ketogenic diet, if they've given up all the processed foods, of course, they're going to get healthier. Of course. they. Yeah. You know, it's if, if you're if you stop eating food and you drink your own pee only, I, I don't think pee is good for you. I don't think there's any reason to drink it. However, if that's all you're consuming, for most people, it's a huge improvement from what they were doing before. And so the body will be able to still put a lot of energy into cleansing and healing. Okay, everything is relative. So as long as we improve anything, we, we should see uh, the consequences, you know, there should be an improvement in health in some way, as soon as we improve anything at all. You see this cross board, don't you? So many people are really into it just because it's like spirituality. You know, you, you build a spiritual ego, but you're not yet spiritual because you haven't realized that the ego is just building the information up, which you're repeating. And, and the true self exists before any of this dialogue arises within you. You're the awareness of it. Um, but yeah, that's it's, it's a good point to make to people who are listening. You know, you will feel better removing anything from your diet, no matter what you are consuming, as long as it's natural or, or holistic or whole food. But then if you continue your journey, you'll find out the power of fruits and fasting for sure. You know, my, my favorite example of this is macrobiotics, which is, as you guys may know, it suggests that you eat nothing raw. And, and yet these people wind up yeah. in many cases getting healthier because yeah, they remove almost all the processed food. I'm yeah. like, well, we found, we found the best diet. I'm like, no, you didn't come close to finding the best diet. 
Yeah. But, but it's much better than what you were doing before. And therefore, yeah. of course, you're going to get better. They hold on to the idea. We, we had an interview, sorry, Alex, we had an interview with uh, somebody on another channel. Um, and he was doing microbiotics and he had uh, psoriasis on his skin. And he said he knows it's the diet for humans because he felt better when he did it. And I was just trying to suggest, you know, why don't you try fruit? Have you ever tried fruit? And he said, anytime he tries fruit, he gets sick. You know, and it doesn't lead him onto that journey. But I didn't bother engaging any further than that because he just wasn't ready to receive any of the information being handed to him. Yeah. But yeah, you know, legumes for me, I see them as nitrogen balancers, and they are for planting. They're not for consuming. You know, they can be consumed. They are acid forming, yeah. same as nuts. Nuts are for planting. They can be consumed, but they're acid forming. Go on, how about see. I, I think? Well, I think prots just. Yeah. On, on this, how about sprouts? Because I actually know a few people who are uh, quite strong in the raw vegan food movement that really like sprouts. Sprouting, yeah, not the Brussels sprouts. No, no, Sprouting. like a mung bean sprouts. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you know, look, I mean, every plant wants to survive. And so mung beans are definitely easier to digest in the sprout form than in legume form, right? You can't you can't consume the bean um, because we, we just can't digest it very well. It's very acid form. But most little tiny plants want to survive and make themselves toxic at some stage of their journey. And we've seen a lot of people in the US, uh, there is the, well, Ann Wigmore is now in, in Puerto Rico. They used to be in the US. Uh, you've got Hippocrates. Then there's the Creative Health Institute and the, um, there was another one, I forget what it's called, but Optimum Health Institute, OHI and, and C, I think CHI is gone. Oh, there's, I think the OHI still exists. All of these places are based on Wigmore's uh, teachings and, and Anne Wigmore never said sprouts are the best thing to eat. She said sprouts are something anybody can do. You wanna eat raw and you can grow these on your kitchen counter, even in the UK, even in Norway. You know, you can grow these all year long. And so anyone can have raw food. But we've seen a lot of people who've come here who've been eating this sort of, you know, a heavy sprout-based diet, actually toxic because of it, because of too many sprouts. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I think, you know, the fruit is handed to you effortlessly every year or every season. You don't have to do anything. If you don't need it, it goes into the soil with its seeds and produces more. It's, yeah. it's, it's an obvious choice to make. Um, so yeah, I mean, the cl classes of food, you know, that are edible can be eaten. And if you remove them from your body and reintroduce them, you truly feel the effects and the difference that it gives you. You know, I would say, uh, roots are going to be more better for the body than a type of legume and legumes going to be better for the body than a type of grain. And then you can truly feel this in your body. I had a question for you though, brother Lauren, um, yeah. onion, garlic, and chili, you know, for me, I see them as nervous system stimulants. I feel the very effect of poison when they're ingested. I feel them go through the lymphatic system. They elevate stress within my body. Uh, how do you feel about these? I, I, I agree completely. There's, there's no, uh, I mean, people, you know, again, this is confusing to people because most people see, uh, the allium family, onions, and, and even more garlic as, as the natural antibiotics that they are. But antibiotic means against life. And mm -hmm. what they do is they kill bacteria. And if you kill bacteria, you eliminate symptoms. And so most people think, well, I feel better if I eat them. And that's what happens in a typical system. 
you'll, you'll, you'll kill bacteria, you'll have fewer symptoms, you might not have as much mucus because your body can't do it. Um, but unfortunately, you know, again, this is a misunderstanding of the nature of symptoms. Most people think that symptoms are the problem because that's everything we, we do in our cultures is about eliminating symptoms. Symptoms are actually part of your virtually infinitely intelligent body's best way of eliminating a real problem. We don't want to suppress the symptom. We want to let the body do whatever it needs to. Hopefully what we do if we're making the best choices is we stop having symptoms, not because we've suppressed them, but because we've completed the process of cleansing and healing. You know, they're very tasty for some people. For those that have abstained from them, they are very foul, even if they once found them tasty. And uh, you can smell someone in the room who has consumed garlic very easily. It breaks the blood brain barrier. You know, it stops these two hemispheres communicating and it kills brain cells. You know, the modern day world, I see it as the reverse of all truth. And you must go on that journey to find your own truth. So most of the mainstream will tell you it's good, it's beneficial, it's a medicine. You should be consuming it with every every meal. Right. Um, and, 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 and different types of areas of land, you know, UK, India, uh, all these healthy places before we introduced um modern day food everyone has their trap you know and i feel like for india their trap was onion garlic and chili you know mm. it was keeping the, the suppression down they were eating predominantly grains even though they lived in a, a space that you could grow every crop all season all year round within the area and have you know this trade-off um, yeah. i just see that as you know something introduced just to keep people a little bit sick and, and into a system that can, you know, promise masking of these symptoms. Well, it's, it's important. I'm sorry, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, Josh, there was uh, something I just wanted to move on a, a little bit also on. There was something I was quite surprised was on salt, that uh, Josh, you, you went so like against salt. You know? like, I'm I mean, not against it, just because people need to be ready to take these transitions themselves. You know, it, it naturally elevates people's food and taste, but you would never put it on fruit. You know, so obviously you, you would never put it on fruit unless you, you know, had a, a taste for something a bit savory and you might want to create a dish, you know, of memory. So essentially it's not something that we would naturally consume. More than likely through commercial ways and people traveling on boats, they dug up the seawater and put it with their rice and their grains and they made it taste nice. And then they thought it was a great business. You know, but well, sometimes, go on, please. I'm sorry to interrupt you. In fact, um, the, the, use, the use of salt um, on the table, you know, as a regular part of the meal happened because before refrigeration, they salted meat in order to to prevent it from rotting or try to prevent it from rotting didn't always work. And what happens is because salt is such an overpowering flavor and highly addictive, once people became adapted to eating salted meat, they couldn't taste anything without salt on and they began salting everything. But, but salt is clearly harmful to us. You know, we need organic salad, sodium. Yeah, yeah, we need, exactly. We need organic sodium and chloride. We don't need inorganic sodium chloride. There was another mass supplementation in you know the UK, for example, was uh, iodized salt because there was so much iodine deficiency. Which you know we would recommend to have. You know what we do is tell people to soak kombu, and we make a bain marie and you warm it through this and you drain 
as much as you can off of it over the course of a couple of hours, put it into ice cube and just have one every day. And we've seen this reverse goiters themselves. So we've just come to that space. We recognize this is enough for the daily allowance. And another thing which is possibly quite deficient in the commercial world is iodine as well. Yeah, um, I, I think you're absolutely right. Although I think it's it's an interesting case. Uh, in North America, they actually looked at, um, they did a study where they, they captured wild animals and tested them for iodine deficiency, animals living off the land. And what they found was the only animals that were deficient were the ones from Great Plains states where they where they grow all the grains. You know, they've depleted the soil by growing nothing but corn and wheat and soy, et cetera, for so many years, decades. Uh, they've depleted the soil there. But everywhere else in North America, the animals were fine. Yeah. Uh, as you know, iodine is a trace mineral. If we take in more than a little bit of it, it makes us sick. We need just tiny amounts of it. It's still found in natural foods. If you're growing food off the land, if you're not in a place, I mean, obviously, again, commercially grown food tends to be relatively depleted. There's an easy way, by the way, to resolve this. If you do grow your own food, what we do is we take a gallon of seawater and, and put it in a 50-gallon barrel with 49 gallons of rain, we'll let the, the rain fill it up. And then we use that water to water our tomatoes and, and lettuce and cucumbers and uh, peppers and so forth. And yeah. seawater contains all the minerals, including trace amounts of everything we need. And so that way we're getting the nutrients back into our food yeah. in a natural way. Yeah, in Egypt, there was a goddess called Happy. And uh, every year she would flood the Nile with salt water and it would be worshipped for the fruitful crops it would bring, bring in this. So it's one of the most important things you can do for your garden. You look at literature, it says it's not good for the plant, but as long as you get it in moderation, I mean, well, they have grown right. such as C90, you know, C90 is an incredible uh, booster for your crop, but you will get all the minerals from the sea. That's the, the, the key is you have to dilute it because obviously, you know, if you if you only use salt water on your your plants, you'll kill the plants. Yeah, I actually did some experiments uh, probably about five or six years, maybe maybe longer actually now, about eight years ago, where we fed plants in pots, so they're separate from the soil, uh, sea salt. We fed them Epsom salt, juiced cucumber and tomato, uh, cucumber and apples, and it was a three to one ratio with the juice and we fed them and they grew incredible they tasted wonderful and uh you know things like this just having the freedom to be able to just explore and experiment you're going to find out these things yourself and you know the world is incredible yeah. um i'd like so we're getting a bit close to the two hours uh, there's something i'd like to um ask also is uh, around the the juice because again i, I have a, a little bit of a dilemma there where um, i totally understand the point of juice being a processed food of losing nutrients starting oxidation having the sugar without the fiber makes it hard to assimilate by the body so from that rational point of view i'm like okay juice doesn't fruit juice for example doesn't seem like a very healthy option compared to the whole fruit. At the same time, I see a lot of people having really good results. I also see uh, for myself when I'm on a juice fast, I'm, I'm in a slightly different consciousness. I feel lighter. Um, I can feel like, yeah, really good on it. I see also people who do a lot of juice. Um, they often have a glow in their face, in their eyes. 
I know a lot of people who look way younger than their age and they say, oh, it's because I do a lot of juice. Uh, some people are into the being liquid ions, being the next evolution of fruit ion. So uh, yeah, what about juice guys? Like, I mean, Lauren, I already know uh, your opinion on it. I mean, you can do a quick recap, but I'm quite interested in, in Josh's answer also. Cause yeah, I sure, sure. Well, I, can, I can go relatively quickly, I think. Um, I mean, you know, again, my, my viewpoint is very simple. I, I don't really believe that we can improve on nature. And I'm clear that we can't take nature's perfect foods for our bodies, run them through a machine and get something better. So people seem to think there's some magic that happens once you put it through a machine, but there isn't. I mean, the, the reason people glow is because their body is pushing all kinds of stuff out through the skin that it's trying to get rid of. Um, this is what happens. Are we better off drinking juice? No. but if you go from a standard diet to drinking nothing but juices, again, because it's, it's a lot lighter than what most people eat, of course, they're gonna be detoxifying. Of course, they're gonna get healthier. Everything is relative. All you have to do, you know, if, you, if you were to map everything on a continuum and uh, you know, juices only would certainly be much better than the standard diet from the US or the UK. And so anyone going to that is gonna do better. But is it, you know, is it optimal? Is it better for us than whole foods? I think clearly not. And it's, it's not just that the sugars are hard to assimilate. It's that we wind up um, creating a huge spike. They have a glycemic load roughly three times that of the whole food. They're high in deuterium, which is heavy water. All juices are going to be high in deuterium, even green juices. Um, it's naturally occurring. This heavy water, these molecules show up in everything, but in tiny quantities. But when we juice, we concentrate it. We also, we do indeed oxidize nutrients. And that means we create imbalances. It's we don't have the same perfect proportions we had. So I think there's all kinds of issues that accrue to us. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because again, I've worked with so many people, um, the 10,000 I mentioned fasting and another 5,000 I've just coached over the last 30 some years. Virtually everybody who gives up juices in favor of a fruit and salad diet feels much better once they get off the juices. And I, you know, by the way, I mean, I'm not saying you can't ever drink a juice. I'll still have a glass of juice every once in a while, but I'm never saying, oh, you know, I'm doing something good for myself. For me, it's like, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. It's, they taste good, but- what, what, what do you think, Josh? Because I know also you do like uh, ju juicing challenges and you're on, you said you're on juice at the moment yourself. Well. I don't think uh, Lauren is wrong. Nature gives you everything perfect and abounds the enzymes and the bacteria needed for it. And if you take that out, you're going to be missing these things. Um, I would say it's beneficial, uh, you know, as a challenge to help people experience what it's like to be free from digestive matter. Just allow the elimination process to, to rest you feel something very different, you know, also you're having an abundance of uh, nutrients come into the body. Now, whether or not you can absorb them as, as much as uh, in its whole form, you know, is down to you and your own individual experiences and how you feel. But as a distillation process, you know, it's not going to be as good as water fasting for bringing levels of purity and cleansing, but it usually leads people to that space. You know, it gives a, a group a, 
a, a, a challenge essentially so i would say you know incorporate into your daily lifestyle if you're lucky enough to be around fruit you know there's nothing better than just consuming fruit and mono fruits themselves is just perfect um so yeah is, I, I just agree with brother lauren you know you can't get better than the fruit off the tree you can't get better than ripe fruit but uh, you know unfortunately animals and bugs tend to get it so just picking it just before they do and waiting it for, waiting for it to ripen is going to be optimum for you but you you don't want to shy away from just experiencing things yourself so if it resonates with you and it feels good at this period of time there'll be a time where you elevate yourself and go beyond it you know i do enjoy juice and i just enjoy having a rest but i also know it's feeding me and it's giving me some you know some glycogen stores so i can continue with my day-to-day -day tasks and routines and training etc Thank you. Um, maybe last last topic we can quickly cover is uh, I know you're both really into natural hygiene. Uh, Lorraine with a more minimalist approach, like you don't use soap or you don't brush barely brush your teeth. So I think just with water without toothpaste. And Josh, I've uh, I've seen you have a, a lot of natural homemade ways to uh, make a soap, make a well, I would say yeah, I just make sure I wash all my food 100%. I use a apple cider vinegar and bi sodium bicarbonate to clean my my fruits. And I'll do that thoroughly no matter that, you know, how That's for paras to kill parasites and yeah, to get off, you know, chemtrail residue or any type of spraying. When you when even when you're choosing organic, there's still organically approved pesticides and things like this that you know, I just want to make sure that I do the best that I can do with my own individual food. As for cleaning the body and, and toothpaste, I went through a period of like nine months to a year without cleaning them at all, just to observe the science within myself. And my teeth have always been perfect and fine. Um, and now I just create, I use um, charcoal with a little bit of bicarb, pinch of salt and coconut oil. And I'll just use that to brush my teeth within the rising in the evening. Uh, as for the body, you know, the body, the best bath is the sea, is the ocean. But being here, you know, I'll use a lemon or a lime and I'll mix some sodium bicarbonate with that to give my body a scrub. My clothes, you know, I don't use any type of washing powder, anything like that. We've always used uh, vinegar and bicarb for, for this process. Um, and, and for cleaning surfaces in our homes, it's just vinegar. Keep it very simple. Lorraine, you could keep things simple too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm in agreement with uh, virtually everything Josh just said. I, as you said, I don't, I don't use toothpaste. I've been brushing my teeth with only water for more than 30 years. Uh, they stay clean and white, as white as, white as they've ever been, I guess. Um, I don't use soap or deodorant. Um, I do I, every once in a while if I'm... Uh, so I've got a big project we're creating here, and I've um, purchased hundreds of hectares of land here for this project and have looked at a lot of farms where there's cattle. So cattle carry little tiny ticks. And when I come back from looking at one of those farms, I have to bathe with soap to get the, the ticks off my skin. Because otherwise, I, first time I, I realized this, I didn't do it and had about a thousand ticks on me which I was picking off for the next week. That was very uncomfortable. Um, 
So, but that's, you know, I mean, a couple of times a year, uh, I'll use uh, soap to get those things off me. Or if I'm, if I encounter something, I can't get off my, my skin. But generally, no products at all, cleaning products. We, you know, it's, it's interesting. We used only uh, vinegar and in for some things, I think we some um, bicarb as well. But my cleaning staff here, that's, it's been a struggle. So now we buy very expensive organic plant-based products from Germany. Um, we have a distributor who lives about a kilometer from here. And so from Germany. So we, we, uh, we use those products because they feel good using something out of, out of a bottle. Save the bottles up and then just pour vinegar in them for the future. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's life as well, you know, even though you know you're better, you got to surrender these ideas sometimes. And we just got to do what we can do and do this, do what's best for everyone um, without, you know, taking that baseline that we have to stay balanced in each moment, do the best we can do with our food system. Exactly. And, and experience it because health is experience and you'll know when you're healthy. And if you're not, you can just continue to shift, try and adapt and find what's right for you at your point in life. Sweet. I'm not. I'm not convinced that everyone is so so self-aware. I mean, I, I think over time, hopefully, we're all moving towards greater consciousness. Yeah, I mean, this is why there's so much compartmentalization and opportunity out there because, you know, the opportunity for distraction with these foods is absolutely for that level of consciousness. You know, it takes someone you know, very special in this time to just start questioning you know, the things that they've been taught, you know, and usually uh, a symptom or a pain body experience is, is the initial uh, reaction. You know, you start to experience something, then you start to figure out, you know, maybe what's happening to me now is uh, something that's absolutely perfect. Then I should start looking outside of myself for some answers to try to remedy this. And then that leads you on this wonderful journey to concepts, which hopefully... Yeah. You're clean, clear, and leave concepts and just be and find spirituality peaceful, happy, and live life in joy. That's what we wish for everyone, just to be happy. No matter the choices you make, don't create any friction within. Start to recognize that the, the yeah. ego, the commentary, the mind chatter. Find the space that exists before it all and stay there. Agreed. Your, that uh, peaceful message, Josh, uh, makes me think of um, like part of nutrition is the state of mind, is the meditation, is the calmness, and, and part of health is that activation of the parasympathetic nervous system. And when I was um, reflecting on the natural habitats, because like one thing seems pretty known is that you want to chew your food well and slowly and activate with the saliva the pre-digestion and actually it's also a meditative practice so that's something i'm like working on let's say at the moment which is make eating a meditation chew slowly for mind and health benefits at the same time when we're looking at nature i'm thinking if i was a uh, um in in nature and i find a fruit tree i probably want to eat as much as possible to build my reserves and because there might be the saber-toothed tiger coming. So I, I was just trying to reconcile the um, principle of chewing and eating slowly versus what it, 
would look like in nature where it could be a, a little bit more rushed? Let's say that's just for conceptual. What we have is what's here and now, and there's no saber-toothed tigers, you know, and chewing the food properly is just becoming conscious and presence and being able to feel everything, you know, feeling what it's like to chew the senses, the taste, rather than just gluttonly go through it. Also that process that you have and the respect you have for this food goes into the cellular structure of it because our consciousness shifts and creates different vibrations within the water field. So if we treat our food properly, it's going to have a, a greater healing capacity than it could if we didn't. So I think that whole process comes with the elevation of consciousness. These, these things that become aware to us, whether or not we put them into practice is entirely, you know, down to the individual but doing these small things can do can create a huge shift in wellness for sure yeah so treat okay. food as if it was your last and I, I i agree completely yeah and i, I mean I'm, I'm not sure that we ever coexisted with saber-toothed tigers you know, having lived now uh 18 years in the tropics there are actually very few predators here for humans um, you know, there, there are jaguar here in Costa Rica, but I don't know anyone, including, uh, you know, all the people I've known who've, who've grown up here, who've ever seen one in the wild. They stay away from people. Very um, elusive. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's every once in a while, someone will be attacked by a, uh, by a bunch of coyotes or something. They typically one-on-one, -on -one, they'll, they'll stay away from you. But if there's enough of them, then, then maybe, uh, you know, if there's a whole pack. Um, small cats tend to not attack anything as large as we are. So there really aren't too many uh, predators. We, you know, we would probably have not, I mean, you know, there's poisonous snakes and poisonous spiders. They too, generally speaking, don't really want to mess with us. So it's it's, opposite, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it's, it's like the, the opportunity to get lost and all of these opportunities out there, this is one of them. Creating a mindset that we were hunters and gatherers right. instead of gatherers that might have hunted because right. there was scarcity of food. Now, of course, anyone in their survival mechanism is going to do what they can do to survive, which is respectful. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, my, my guess is it's when, you know, only when humans, for whatever reason, wound up out of the tropics. Because anywhere else, there there won't be fresh food 12 months of the year if you're outside of the tropics. Yeah. It's like Mars now, you know, around the tropics, there could have just been this mindset that that was all it was. And then an explorer came back and thought, you know what, we could tell these people out here that there's something that we can offer them and then start bringing food here and create this whole commercial system. And then it just went from that to the next to the next. All books were written and uh, history was created. But, I mean, all we truly have is what's here and what's now and the choices that we make in this moment is what our experience manifests from so it's just I, I making the righteous choices i don't know well i'm not sure if we if we moved out of the tropics at some point because we were tempted to for commercial interest or it was because of climactic change or mm -hmm. you know, something else or, or maybe just the desire to to discover you know to 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 see what was out there um but for whatever reason, you know, we wound up uh, inhabiting the entire globe, including many places that aren't really suitable for our species. We, we're smart enough to survive. Not everyone did. Obviously, you know, we're, we are all the offspring of people who did were smart enough to survive. Um, 
given those challenges. But clearly, we're, we, we, we all grew up in places that weren't really so suitable for human life. We made lots of compromises in order to, to live there. Yeah, and we have this correlation now. We see like meat-based tribes and meat-based civilizations, their life expectancy is so low, you know? Like the Maasai tribe is like 42 for men and 47 for women. Yep. They eat predominantly as a fuel source. And, it, it, and when somebody knows the primary source of fuel in the body is glucose, it, it would seem ridiculous to try and give it something which contains very little glucose Absolutely. and is a protein source that has to Absolutely. break down and then try to convert it into a form of gluco uh, glycose. Because. I don't know if you're, if you're aware of this, but um, they've studied uh, these 42-year-old men, and their arteries look like those of 75-year-old Westerners. Mm. Yes. I bet. You know, and for those listening that do consume meat and aren't willing to change, the best thing you can do is just consume uh, your whole food <laughs> with that. You know, yeah. my, my nan did and still does. She's 95 years old. She had a plant-based with meat dairy and eggs and she always ate from her garden she eats lots of fruit so she you can live happy and healthy you know we're not trying well, she, to change she, that. she also lived her first 37 years or so eating only organic because that's all there was yeah yeah of course and now that shift there when we look at people for example say in japan where they've got the highest life expectancy it's not now it's from 1975 when they used to eat things very different than they did now you know, so, you know, my advice is, you know, go on the journey yourself. But if you can be whole food, plant based as a baseline and experiment to what makes you feel good, you're going to find fruit for sure. And it's going to lead you to a greater space within yourself, a greater healing and an understanding of what your body should truly have as a fuel. Amazing. Thank you, guys. We've been going for a bit more than two hours now. So we'll uh, gently close the episode. And thank you so much to uh, the two of you you've been a big inspiration for me and many people in the community and uh, it's been a great conversation um of course for the listener please like share and subscribe if you if you like this and you want to support all of us of course you can see in the description the links to learn more about lauren to learn more about josh the youtube channel instagram concerning the light leaders you can join the telegram group and when you're part of it, you can ask your questions in advance to the guests also. The other thing I wanted to mention to you guys and to everyone listening is in a, this month of April, I'll be immersed in a, an event which is about creating decentralized organization. And so this is using blockchain technology to create organizations for um, in a more decentralized way. And one of the DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, I want to help co-create is one that's around living foods. I think that could uh, work uh, well. So keep you posted on, on that and for everyone. Sounds fascinating. The whole month of April in Bali. Cool. Uh, by the way, I'll invite the two of you also in the Telegram group that I'm doing where people just ask questions and there's different channels. And uh, yeah, so I'll put uh, I'll put the links to what you guys are doing. So much gratitude and I want to give you uh, like you know a couple of minutes each to share uh, a few a few last words with uh, people who listen to us. Anyone choosing to go? Shall I go? Go ahead. I'm not a preacher in any way, shape, or form. I know that everyone is going to receive what they're ready to. 
But whatever you took from this, I just want to wish you a happy life and just recognize that all conflict and sadness, happiness, depression, anxiety, fear, it just lies within. It's just a function of your intelligence. Sometimes we give too much attention to the mind, ego or intelligence, however you interpret the word. If we can just learn to become responsive to life instead of reactive to life by identifying with the thoughts that are presented to us from this intelligence, then life becomes effortless. We don't necessarily need to put in effort. Things should always be effortless. So the more we become aware of things by taking a look, having a search into life, into what queries we are questioning within ourselves, we're going to find this simply because when we know or believe something to be true, we tend to action it better. And thus, through the actions, we experience things. This is true gnosis. This is wisdom. Because knowledge without the wisdom, you, you can just stay the fool that you were previous to it. Right. So our, our motto is truth with application. So what you believe to be true today, try to apply it to experience it. Because that's going to elevate you. It's going to grow your consciousness, your experience here. And I see so many people, or have always seen so many people who just remain the same. We're on an inner evolution here. We're here to evolve ourselves, our being, our consciousness. Consciousness is forever expanding. Don't waste the time we have here. Apply yourself. I am in gratitude for both of your company today. Conversation is wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to meet you today, Dr. Lauren. Thank you, Alex, for hosting. Yeah, the pleasure was mine. Um, yeah, again, Alex, thanks thanks for uh, making this happen. It's always a pleasure to be with you here and uh, to get a chance to share and discuss. And you know, I think it's important for people to take take all of this in. You know, I think it's it's interesting that there are actually very few places where there's any real foundational disagreement. I think we're both in agreement on almost everything we talked about. I think, you know, the application of it, how we get from point A to point B, there, there may be different, different ideas about what the optimal journey might look like. But ultimately, I'm clear that what's best for each person is whatever works for that person to get where they're, where they're headed. And, and I'm also clear that, you know, again, I, I learned a long time ago that however much I wanted to help the people I cared about to make better choices, everyone has to come to that when they're, when they're ready to. And for some people, it won't be in this lifetime. So if you're listening to this and you've taken something away that you find valuable, wonderful, apply it for yourself. Uh, feel free to share with other people. Don't expect anyone else to necessarily be ready for what you're ready for. Okay, again, everyone has their own pace and there's no right or wrong. We don't, we're not, it's not that we have to reach any particular destiny on this particular journey. I believe we'll have many journeys and we're going to be evolving through each one. And of course, you know, I, I think we want to stay as conscious as we can. So question everything, question everything you've heard here today. Does it make sense? Does it resonate for you? Okay. Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, is it actually supported by, by factor logic? I mean, come to your own conclusions. You know, I, I'm perfectly fine if you disagree with everything I've said. I, you know, my, my goal for every single person is that they manifest for themselves whatever they're most interested in creating. That's great. Thank mm -hmm. you. Uh, all two of you. Yeah, Josh. 
I was I was just going to say it's really great to hear, and it seems like you have uh, no desire to push on to anyone what you have found, but you're here to share. You know, which is a stage of elevated growth in consciousness, because when we find these things out, we have this strong, intense desire that we know better than others, and we have to tell these people. Yeah. But growing beyond that is something very special. You know, not staying fixed and firm to the ideas you hold, but being so fluid and adaptable that you know you you can see that when somebody isn't resonating, no matter what you do or say, it's just going to create the opposite effect of what you're trying to do. That's right. So letting go of this is great, and yeah, it's wonderful to meet you, brother. My pleasure. Yeah, I look forward to meeting you in person someday. <laughs> Guys, I've got, I've got to run. Got a call. I'm just a beautiful day, brother. Take care. Thank you so much. Enjoy the sunshine, the fruits, the weather, the warmth. Will do. Take care. Thank you so much, guys. And thank you to the listeners.